faded jeans. In twelve years, she'd lost ten, maybe twenty pounds. Her ring finger was naked. Sonny knelt beside her, vaguely hearing the announcement that McCoy's would close in fifteen minutes. Whenever his son had been excited, he'd said butterflies were tickling his palms, and now that seemed the perfect description for the way Sonny felt. Nora wiped her eyes and said, My sister has huge windows. For years he'd thrown hurricane parties. Named storms hit four and five times a season. And he'd clean out the garage and fry flounder and invite people from the oil refinery. They sat in frayed lawn chairs and drank schlitz, watching a storm's edge cut off the horizon like a charcoal sheet, and playing cards, Mexican sweat, Texas hold'em, stud, until the wind howled. Then they slipped into plastic ponchos and danced. He'd mounted a battery-powered radio over the workbench to hear the oilers lose while he fiddled with a lawnmower, and they listened to tapes, Anne Murray, George Jones, Johnny Rodriguez. Once a Kmart sign had cartwheeled through the yard. A man from the refinery had brought Janice Steele to the party. Then she'd borrowed Sonny's phone to call her sister and invite her. When the storm broke up and the others left, Nora stayed. That was 1972, the year he was named supervisor of an eight-man crew. He was 31, Nora 26. She shelved books at the library while attending the community college at night. She aimed to earn her teaching certificate. They'd been together a few months when he bought the house he'd been renting on Shamrock Street. She moved in, filling the rooms with her expensive hunted shampoos, hanging ivies, and matted photographs. Each Sunday, they drove to an open-air restaurant on the Laguna Madre and ate baskets of shrimp and hush puppies. One night, she said, Take all away from me, but leave me ecstasy. Her voice was so low and cool that his heart stuttered. He asked, Does that mean you want another beer? It means I want you to marry me. The wind lifted a corner of the red-checked tablecloth, raising it gently from the slatted table, then dropping it again. Waves sloshed heavily against pylons, the smell of batter and fish and salt-splashed cedar, the divine heat in his chest like a ray of light refracted in a jewel. The weather slacked off after McCoy's closed. Sonny followed Nora to her sister's on Del Mar Street. The talk radio station he liked was overrun with storm coverage. Authorities had taken down traffic lights around the harbor and were evacuating boats from the bay. Alicia's sustained winds topped 115 miles per hour. The Navy was tying down vessels in mooring systems and deploying others to sea. Ferry service had been halted, and soon rising tides would close off Padre and Mustang Islands. Residents were advised to bring in pets, stock up on canned goods, caulk bathtub drains, and fill the tubs with water. She drove slowly, her brake lights blinking like Morse code. Traffic was bottlenecked at the freeway. Shoe-polished windshields read, Help us, Jesus, and Go away, Alicia. The city's south side was flooding. 
Corpus seemed transformed, like a dream version of itself from which a somnolent atmosphere had been cast off. Wind made street signs tremble. What he felt behind the wheel was a long, dormant vulnerability. When he had offered Nora his plywood, it lay in his truck bed under the camper. She'd accepted by saying, So here we go again. Delmar was a wide palm-lined street, a quarter mile from the bay. The house was a five-bedroom with a French garden and greenhouse that Sonny had helped build. Janice grew orchids. She was summering in Italy, with some guido, as Nora put it, so she was house-sitting. Janice was an attorney who had never married, and whenever Sonny had passed the house in intervening years, he thought a place so large would depress you to live alone in. Years before, he'd moved into an all-utilities-paid duplex and put the money from the shamrock.